Hi, everybody. Will here with this week's interview chair. This week we have on the chair, Terry Hunt, one of my very favorite people. Like, I can't wait for you all to hear this. Hi, everybody. This is Will. And this week on the interview chair, we have none other than Terry Hunt. How are you, Terry? I'm good. Thank you. How are you, Will? Good. It's been a, it's been a while and it took a while to catch up to you, too. So, right. How it are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. I'm, uh, you know, living life. Good. Oh, Not a lot of judging right now, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I think I think we discussed off screen that we're both going to see each other in Westchester, so that'll be fun. Right. So. That's right. All right. Let's get started. Tell me how you got started in the sport of dogs, and how old were you when you started? I did not start in the sport of dogs until I graduated from college. Uh, I was not allowed good Italian family to have a dog when I was a child. So when I graduated, the first thing I wanted to do was get a dog. And I kind of went through some of the books and stuff. Uh, I saw a Weimaraner I thought was nice. I saw a short hair pointer I saw that was very nice. And I thought, well, that's a good, good breed, short hair, blah, blah, blah. Then a friend of mine said, come with me. I'm going to visit somebody that has a Doberman. I said, a Doberman? I don't think I want a Doberman. But I went, and uh, the dog, unfortunately, was not a friendly dog. He was one of these that would sit there and go. So after that meeting, I said, I don't think that's the dog for me. She said, well, I'm going to look at a litter of puppies. I said, okay. So I went. To Massachusetts at this time I was teaching in Massachusetts. I went to Massachusetts with her at the other end and saw the litter of puppies and fell in love immediately. Um, I bought one of the puppies. Uh, his name, the kennel name was Lordor, which was an older couple. And actually they were friends of, um, um, oh, I've forgotten her name, but she was an AKC rep. And also a handler many, many years ago. And she did she did handle Dobermans. So I checked with her and so forth, and everything was on the up and up. So I bought this puppy, and he was just the greatest. He was one of these, you can do anything you want to me. I don't care. I love everybody in the whole world. And um, one day I went to the breeder's house with him um, because his ear wasn't coming up. And Monroe Stebbins and his wife, Natalie, were there. They were showing the breeder had a German import. What year was, was this, Terry? Uh, 1963. Okay. <laughs> you made me say that year, right? <laughs> well, when you mentioned Monroe, I had to get a time frame. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so he looked at, at the dog. Actually, the dog, the puppy was out of his dog. Champion stop, Tops Skipper, who he and his wife had, uh, Steb's Top Skipper, had for many, many years and did a lot of breeding. And was, he was a, a prominent sire in our breed. And I, what did I know? I didn't know anything about that. So he said, you know, you want to come to a show? A show? And I'm like, what kind of a show? <laughs> so there was a show in the area right where... I lived and taught. So I went and I got hooked. And he said, do you want to show this dog? I said, well, you know, do you think you can 
make a champion out of him because he was such a sweet dog and he was not a show dog. But I went to shows and he finished him. So that's how I got started. Monroe showed him for you? Monroe showed him for me, yep. Yep. And um, I got hooked on the whole scene and somebody wanted to use him as a stud dog. And I checked around and to see if that was, it was actually one of my vet's clients. So I said, okay. And took a puppy from that litter. And uh, that puppy's name was uh, Fanfare's Ringmaster, who was a dog Monroe showed for, for me as a special and was in those years, a top 20 Doberman. Now, in order for me to afford to pay for this, I helped Monroe and his wife. I started helping them at dog shows. I would travel from Massachusetts to Long Island, where they lived, on Fridays, met them, and then go to the dog shows with them, come back home for classes on Monday morning. <laughs> and I did that. Me. You have to tell me about Monroe because I, I obviously I never met him, but I worked for his son Bob, and I, yeah. I always you worked for Bob. I didn't know you yeah, worked, I worked for Bob. Bob. Yeah. Oh my That's god! When I first That's met I was... you. I first met you when I worked for Bob. Think... So. <laughs> well, what would you like to know about Monroe? <laughs> Anything you want to tell me? Because I, I I hear what a gentleman he was, and he was a gentleman to the nth degree. He was honest to the nth degree. He would never ever do anything out of the out of the realm of law. He was a fantastic handler. I tell you, I used to look in the ring and say, because I used to trot the dogs back and forth from the truck to the ring to him. That's not the same dog I just brought back. <laughs> I mean, he made them look so great in the ring. You didn't know which one was which. And uh, I learned so much. And actually. I moved back to Connecticut because I'm originally from Connecticut because they were living, they moved to Connecticut. And so when they moved to Connecticut, I moved back to Connecticut and I lived with them. I got another job in Connecticut and I lived with them. I think it was for about four years. So I just traveled to the dog shows with them. And then when I got my own place, I still traveled to the dog shows with them. It's amazing the guy. He's a he's a figure in history that I obviously didn't know. But you never ever ever hear a bad thing about him ever. No, there was nothing bad to say. He he loved the dogs. They loved him. He took good care of his dogs. You know, and as a handler, I was so confident becoming a handler because I learned so much. In those days, there was there were assistant handlers that we applied for, and I was an assistant handler, and I was so proud of that. Oh boy! <laughs> so, how you were with um, Monroe and his and his wife about four years? You said, or I lived with them about oh, four years, but I also was with them prior to that, maybe three years, <laughs> something like that, where I went from Massachusetts back and forth. So and and they were my family and Bobby and his son Bucky and his daughter Susan, you know it was just great. I'm sure, yeah. So when did you go out on your own then? Monroe decided that he was going to resign from handling and become an AKC rep. So as an AKC rep, I had to, of course get my own place, which I did, 
not too far from where they live. And I think that was, oh, I can't remember. I got a, a new job right down the road, 20 miles down the road, bought a house, had a kennel put in and everything, and uh, taught taught every weekend. I went to dog shows, taught five days a week, came home, rested up, and off to dog shows I went. And I did that for several years, and then I... Um, it wasn't unusual just to be a dog show handler on the weekend then. Um, but then I decided I took a sabbatical from um, the school that I was teaching at and to see financially how that would work out. And after that sabbatical, I had to go back and make up that six-month term, which I did. And then I became a professional handler. <laughs> So that's my story. <laughs> that's not the whole story. <laughs> <laughs> so you're on your own now. How how did that how, how what what happened then? Well, Did you still I lean on Monroe for 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 advice or? Uh, I I inherited some of his clients, and I saw him, you know, quite often. If I had questions, I would always ask him. Uh, what this, what that. I learned all about how to do my books and how he did his and stuff all ahead of time. And, you know, what insurances I could, should have and blah, blah, blah. I learned a lot after that. But, you know, it took a little while to get into the routine with the traveling and everything. But um, I loved it from the start. So, you know, it was great. I had some nice clients. I started off pretty good. I think my first best in show was from the open black bitch class. Wow. <laughs> now, what year so, would that have been? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell you. I can tell you this, that um, in the best in show ring was the German wire hair pointer of Pat Lawrence and Joy Brewster's. And... I beat her for best in show. My bitch beat her for best in show. That was not a happy time for all of us. <laughs> but we were friends and it was good. It, it was it was just fantastic. So and things went along for many, many years. From then I did, you know, I stayed with it until I think it was 19, 1998. Yeah, some something like that. I quit handling. You know, you, your uh, aches and pains show up after. Yes. Lugging Doberman crates and uh, doing all that stuff. Uh, fortunately, I got involved with. I got hand, I got some really nice um, dogs from other breeds to handle, and so I became a little bit um, more noted, noted as a handler. I had uh, wire hair German. Uh, I had wire hair dachshunds from Peggy. And that was the most fantastic thing. My one of my favorite dogs, and I probably shouldn't say this, was Froggy. Do you remember Froggy? No. No. Scottish Deerhound from Canada. Uh, and um, um, Janie was showing her, and then Janie and Bob retired. So Gail gave Gail Bontecue was the okay. owner. Yeah. And Gail gave her to me to show, and I absolutely fell in love. I think we both did. It was just amazing. 
Where was she from in Canada? Do you remember? What was your Canada? I name? don't remember. I um all stains. All stains. Joab Joab the Vive, her register name was. And they called her Froggy. Yeah. A-U-L-D-S-T-A-N-E-S. Hmm. Yeah, well, you were probably still a kid then. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> But she was just a fun dog. She was just, you know, she lived with me a lot and she was great. Just great. But there were many, many, many good dogs. Many dogs that I would have liked to have owned, too. Who was was your first prominent dog? Do you remember? Well, let's see. Um, And Doberman's. um, Hmm. I I guess I can't really remember and, uh, that not that I owned, but uh, one that I handled was there were many prominent ones, but one that com- comes to mind and still has a record is a fawn bitch that um, Betty Clark, who still breeds Dobermans here in the United States, uh, is the only fawn Doberman to ever have gone best in show and still has that record. Um, her name was uh, Ravenswood 2020, oh. and 2020 was because both her parents, Sire and Dam, were top 20 winners, oh. and she was a Looney Tune. I mean, not vicious or anything like that, but you really had to be with her every minute in the ring or wherever you were because she was 14 steps ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> And a gorgeous, she was a gorgeous bitch. So that was one. And I loved my other breeds. I loved Froggy. She did a lot of good winning. At the time I showed her, she was the top winning Scottish Deerhound of all time. And of course, that record has been broken many times uh, since then. And um, and Peggy's Dachshunds, I did, we had wonderful luck with. Wonderful luck. Many best in shows. <laughs> Who would you consider your mentors as a handler? As a handler? Yeah. I'm going to wait to put the judge's hat on afterwards. Well, what do you mean as a handler? My well, obviously, obviously, Monroe was a big influence on your handling. Was oh, there yeah. Janie, you look forward to? Or looked, Janie looked and Bob. Janie and Bob lived right down the road a half an hour from me. And if I would have a lot of questions. He helped me with uh, grooming the wire hairs. Uh, he helped me with uh, with uh, knowing how to keep their coat the way they're supposed to. No, I didn't know any of that. Uh, I had some experience with coats when I was working for Stead because we showed a lot of Bouviers and uh, some working breeds that had coats. Um, but this was different, you know. And Janie... When I started handling, she would, any dog that she needed help with, I got to show, which was fantastic. I loved everything because I would go in with breeds. I didn't even know what they were sometimes, you know. And um, right from the start, even when I was working with Monroe, she would come over and say, Steph, can Terry come over and show, you know. So it was great. They were my big, three big mentors right there. Great mentors. (laughs) You got that right. <laughs> yep. When did you decide you wanted to judge? Did you decide before you retired or? No, I did not. As a matter of fact, 
<clears throat> excuse me, I was convinced I didn't want a judge. I, um, I was living in Maryland at the time with my partner, and um, we decided to move to Connecticut. We bought a house up here, and I'm thinking, you know what? I don't really think I need to judge. And then um, I got a couple of people, one named Maribeth O'Neill, uh, two named Patricia Lawrence, who got on my case. You know, you have to do it. I don't have to do it. Yes, you do have to do it. So I decided I would apply. And That'd be a bit intimidating. So you probably have You to. think? <laughs> you th well, you know, Maribeth worked for me. Oh, at, I know that. Yeah. When I was a hammer. Oh, yes. Um, I forget how long, um, but we had great times together. And, uh, yeah, a couple of years, actually. Yeah, when she was teaching in Long Island and I was living in Connecticut and I had my license and everything, uh, she would go to show. She was sometimes showing the tour of Manchester's. And because that's how I met her family, because Monroe showed uh, Lorelei, their top toy Manchester that won so much. And Maribeth was a kid then. And she would come to the shows with me once in a while to show in juniors. So that's how that story goes. <laughs> I know. Lots of names. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. I had, I had some wonderful experiences with a lot of great people. Who else were your assistants that you can recall? Uh, let's see. Mostly, let's see, Maribeth, I had, and then I had a young lady. Well, I had several in the meantime for, you know, like maybe on this circuit one, that circuit yeah. one. Um, but I had a young lady um, who, whose mother lived, they lived in Duncannon, Pennsylvania. And Shelly was 15 when she came to work for me. And a cutie. Oh my God, she was and good. She was good with the dogs. She showed. She got to the point where I could send her in with any dog, and my clients loved her. She was with me quite a few years. Uh, she now has two boys. One is just graduating. One is in college, <laughs> and the other one is getting ready to graduate from high school. If you can believe that, yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so you're still in contact, and that's great. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And her mother is a doll. Her mother shows standard Manchester's now. So, and she got actually one of my, my favorite dogs, too. I have a lot of favorite dogs, um, was a little Manchester bitch. And um, I was showing her just as I was finishing up my career, and I loved her to death. She was a cutie. She would sit in the desk drawer when I was doing. I mean, I can tell you stories. You don't believe about any of them. <laughs> They're a fun breed, though. They really are. Yes. Oh, I love them. I had I had um, Cheddar, who was a, a male one that lived with me when my mother was living with me. And he loved my mother, would sit on her lap. And he was owned by Bob Bishop, who you don't know. But Bob Bishop was... Um, uh, the curator of the dog museum, uh, not the dog museum, the uh, Museum of Folk Art in New York for many, many years. I have a wonderful picture here that he gave me. And um, 
But I, I got to love that breed very, very much, too. Legendary person. Well, I've, I've had actually a few of them, and I remember growing up watching them. I remember Billy Pace had one named Sandy when I was a kid that I fell in love with. Yeah. Yep. I remember that one. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I, still, I can still hear him. He was at ringside one time, and these kids were all around Sandy, and he was just out to go on Best in the Show. And uh, a little a little kid went over, and it's, it's me. It sounds a little offensive now, but a little kid went to touch her, and he said, he said, get your candy floss hands off my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that was good. See, I, that was a lot better than what I would have said. Probably, no. I love kids too. I love kids too. <laughs> well, he was always great to me. Billy was in juniors when I was a kid. So, yeah, yep. I remember that. I remember being at ringside, and there was a, a family of these little kids, and they they all had like candy with them. So, and one went to see Sandy right before Best in Show, and he said, "Oh, get your candy." Oh no, <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I had a I had a Doberman once. Speaking of kids, I had a Doberman once that I showed for a breeder in Louisiana, and I loved the dog. I love. He wasn't the greatest Doberman, but he had a temperament. He, but he was a very strong-willed Doberman. And I'll tell you, if there was any nonsense going around, he knew it, and you knew he knew it. <laughs> wow. I had a judge once. I forget who the judge was. I know, I know who the judge is, and he's still alive, so I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> but in the breed ring, he decided he was going to do a temperament test. So his temperament test was to come up and stare the dog in the eye. And as he did that, I could feel the tension. And I said, I don't think I would do that. And he looked at me and he said, okay, open the mouth. <laughs> But I mean, he didn't do anything. But he was ready. <laughs> yeah, you can say I've had. But dogs I love that. I love that dog. He he was. I used to send Shelly, the young lady I was telling you about. She wanted to go out with the kids at night because she was young, and I didn't. You take him with you. <laughs> I always had Boobie. I used to send my assistants off. They wanted mm -hmm. to go wandering. Okay, you're taking him. Yeah, with yeah you. that's right. <laughs> and she would take him with her, and she and he was right there. He knew. <laughs> Many nice memories I've had. I'm very thankful for my years in dogs. Well, we made some memories too. So, um, judging now. When you when did you start judging? I started, I believe, and my first assignment was in 1999, and uh, I believe my first assignment was at. Might have been Greenwich. I can't remember which show it was. It was some local show, which I was not happy about because, you know, all my peers were right there. And I was already nervous and I'm going in the ring going, oh, my God, what's going to happen if I don't put so-and-so? You know, all the things that go through your head. Stupid. <laughs> but I had a great time. And um, the rep there was... Um, Bubbles, remember Bubbles? Uh, I even forgotten her real name. She was from the Midwest. Isn't that awful? Oh my gosh. Anyhow, she was just wonderful. You know, that's great. That's great. I, and then I said to her, 
I said to her one, I said to her one time, I'm really upset about what I did in Malmutes. You don't ever say that. You did it, it's over, go on to the next thing. And I learned a lot from that, you know, because we all make mistakes, believe me. And the thing is not to fuss over them because then you screw yourself up mentally. You know? Who who would you consider do you have a mentor, a judging mentor that you looked up to that guided you? Um Janie, obviously. Uh, Pat, uh, basically. Yeah. I mean, I had Janie right in my area, you know. Who, do, who else do you, <laughs> yeah. what else is there? <laughs> be perfect. As a handler, as a judge, as a friend, you know, all the way around. Yeah. I was always in such awe of them when I was a child. I remember going to the the chair blossom circle with Mr. Eldridge and they were there and it was like, Oh my God, there they are. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. I used to sit by the ring and watch them. You know, you learn so much that way. You really do. That's oh, that. Yeah. And Steb always used to say to me when I was working for him, if we had a break, cause you know, lots of times we showed Dobermans and nothing else, maybe Bouvier's. We didn't have a great Ridgebacks, you know, He'd say, okay, you got two hours off, get over to those rings and go and watch this breed, that breed, that breed, and that breed. And that's how you learn. That's amazing because that Bob Bob did that with me. Oh, really? You know, whenever we had a break, he'd say, Okay, I want you to go to ring two and watch Eugene Blake show us a Luki. I want you to go here and watch so and so. I want you to go here. That's what he did to me. Yep. I learned that's a exactly lot. Right. That's right. And I remember too. Yep. When I first started handling, um, no, when I first started working for Monroe, he said to me, soundness, you know, and, you know, I didn't know soundness. Okay, I know they move, they have to move a certain. You go and sit by that Siberian husky ring and do not move. Those are sound dogs. And in those days, you never saw one that wasn't. And you learned. <laughs> Well, yeah, that would ingrain you, wouldn't it? That'd be a good, a good yeah. Idea. So you've you've judged you've you've judged some really amazing shows. What have you got? Some that are highlights to you? Um, well, obviously my group judging at Westminster, working and sporting were the highlights. Um, but I judged my national specialty a couple times, and best of breed was one year, a couple of years ago, actually just. Not that long ago. Um, I love doing that. It was a disappointing and yet a great feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I was disappointed sometimes in the quality. But I found what I thought was a gorgeous bitch. And she went on to do a lot of winning in all breed shows. So I was pleased about that. And she's got some pretty puppies on the ground. Oh, good. Yep. What's so, next? Oh, what, what do you have for judging? Sporting, working? Sporting, working, and um, part of the hound group. Uh, I, think I never I never went, went for the rest of it. I started, I guess I shouldn't say this, but I started getting discouraged with dog shows. And a couple of years ago, well, more than a couple of years ago, I found the quality wasn't where it should be. And... I thought there were way too many dog shows, which 
definitely hurt. Hand in hand, though, when there's that many. Definitely hurt the quality. Down, so. Exactly. Definitely hurt the quality. I mean, I judged a show not too long ago. I think there were 350 dogs. And I'm like, why? Yeah, but just so many of them. Like, we And I mean, there were majors. There were majors for different breeds at those shows. We used to have to have 35 bitches for a three-point major. <laughs> now, five dogs, males. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. It is. It we is. have that problem up here, too. We have too many shows up here, too. Yeah. Well, and so I decided I was, you know, to answer your question, I was comfortable with what I had, and I was just going to stay with what I had, you know? Yeah. So that's what I did. Um, do you have, what about advice? If I were to ask you, to judge, what advice would you give me? I think the most important thing is to be confident in yourself. Regardless of whether it's a dog that's done 500,000 best in shows and it comes in your ring and you don't like it, you don't like it. Don't put it up just right. because it's one. You really, confidence is an important thing in, in judging because I think uh, lots of judges are swayed by other judges. Lots of judges um, are swayed, obviously, by all the publicity. And um, it's easy to, to do that. It's much harder to stand there and do what your gut feeling is, you know? Yeah, you're right. Though. It has become so easy because I mean, there is a, well, still, you're still not supposed to look at the catalog and whatnot, but you can just find it online and just and you can see who won yesterday if you want and, to. And you're <laughs> sitting at the, you're sitting at the ring the day before and then you're judging the next day. What's the, what's the difference, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's what I mean about confidence. You have to know, okay, I didn't like that dog that so-and-so put up. It doesn't mean he didn't like it. I don't like it, so I can't put it up just because he liked it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a, it's a hard thing to uh, come around to, believe me. <laughs> One of the most important lessons I learned was as to be a judge, you need to be selfish. So. And I always, when I, th I, haven't, I haven't judged a lot yet, but whenever I go in there, I try that. I, that goes through my mind. Yep. That's right. That's right. That's a good, um, good word. It is. Um, over the years, don't, don't talk about any dogs that are being shown now, but what about dogs that you've seen that you wished you could have maybe been a part of or shown? Um, I think one dog that I've always, always, always loved was a red Doberman bitch that Andy Linton showed many, many years ago and went best in show with at Westminster. Oh, and I, I, huh? Indy. Indy. <laughs> and I remember the night because he came out of the group and I don't know what, I guess I showed in the group or whatever. And he had on, uh, you know, a sport jacket. And I said, what are you wearing for best in Oh, I lost your audio. I can't hear. Oh, you. I'm still here. Okay, there we go. I said, you're not wearing that for best in show. I said, you go get a tuxedo and get it fast. I said, do you know who's doing best in show? He said, yeah. I said, get a tuxedo. <laughs> and I love that bitch. She was fabulous. And 
I guess I can tell you about another dog. I mean, there are lots of dogs that I would have loved to. But I remember walking in the rain for Best in Show in a show in North Carolina. And there was an Amstaff in there. I had never judged an Amstaff at, you know, I knew this, read the standard like every judge would do if they're doing Best in Show. And I put my hands on that dog and I said, Oh my God, this was a solid rock. He was gorgeous. And of course, that was the dog that Kim showed. <laughs> yeah. The prize I mean, fighter. He just went like this, you know, one of those feelings when you do that, you know? But so those. Exciting those, part. Yep, exactly. Exactly. That was for me very exciting. I mean, there, you, you're doing best in show. You can't go wrong, right? You know. But here again, it's it's your confidence that lets you do whatever you want to do in there. You know. Oh, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can do that too. So you will, will I know you will. I think I gave you a best somewhere. I think you did. <laughs> <On the beagle. laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'll give one more question then, Terry, then I'll let you go. Uh, if you were to meet the 20-year-old Terry now, is there any advice you'd give Terry? Um, if I met the 20-year-old Terry now, I would say... I was not a very confident person at that age. Uh, I was very shy. Uh, I did great in my teaching, you know, in, in my practice teaching and all of that. But other than that, I wasn't. And um, I had to learn that. And dog shows helped me with that. Believe me, they really dog helped shows me. Dog have helped a lot of us with that. Yeah. So. I could go out and teach a class of 90 kids. But the minute I got in front of in the rain, I'm losing your audio again. I don't know why. Oh, there we go. They're back. Okay. But, you know, lower your head down a bit, though, Terry. All I have is your nose now. There we go. Well, that's a sad thing. (laughs) (laughs) Can you hear me now? I can, yes. Okay. So I think I was not, as I said, I was shy and not confident at all. Very much of an introvert. Yeah, dog shows tend to help us that way. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> there's a, there's a young ways. man up here in Canada. He's uh, he has a, he has beagles. He's 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 slightly autistic, I believe. Just a wonderful young man. And uh, dog shows have he's come out of his shell in dog shows. Now he sings national anthems. He just oh won three God. medals at the Special Olympics. He he's and, wow. And his mother told me it's because of dog shows. Yeah, yeah. Shows just That's right. Because. Right, gave him the confidence. confidence. That's what happened. They're they're, they're wonderful. Sometimes a little too much, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of us get too big for our britches. (laughs) (laughs) We think the world revolves around dog shows, and then you step in the real world, or no, they don't. I like, but I I have to say, I like the real world. It's fun having you know time to enjoy other things. You know, when you're a handler, you don't have that. Luxury, you know. Yeah, if you're on a circuit, you have no idea what's happening in the real world. So. No, no. Yeah. 
You're right. The, 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 trying to balance is the best way. Uh, yes. I don't know how some of the kids do it now with the amount of shows they go to. They seem like they're always uh, on the road. And I, I, I have to say, well, I guess I shouldn't say, but that's okay. <laughs> so I won't say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Well, thank you, Terry. I really appreciate your time. I'm glad we could catch up. It was great to great to catch up. And I can't wait to see you in Westchester. See you at Westchester. Yeah. Well, let's hope for a pretty day, okay? I hope so. I'm sure it will. Okay. Yeah. All right. Take care. I love you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you, Terry. That was great. I knew it would be. It was so great to catch up to you. If you like what you're seeing here, make sure you press the like, share, and subscribe button. If you want to find out what's happening in my world, go to Will Alexander's Dog Show Tips. And don't forget about the podcast every Thursday, the dog show drive with myself and Wayne Cavanaugh. Until then, take care, guys.